Who is your next hire? Episode 241. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Profit With Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and today we're going to continue from episode 239. So if you haven't yet listened to episode 239, go listen to that one first. You can catch it at ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash 239. On episode 239, I discussed when should you hire? How do you, how do you know when you're ready? How do you figure out whether hiring somebody is the best next step for your law firm. And when I finished that episode, I said, okay, now that you know whether you need to bring somebody on, now the question is, who is that person? And that is the discussion we're going to have today. So the first thing that I want to highlight or bring to your attention is when we say that you should bring somebody on, you should hire somebody we do not necessarily mean that you are hiring somebody as a full-time staff member to your team. That person can be a part-timer, could be an intern, could be a virtual assistant, could be a freelance worker to get specific things done, could be somebody that you're finding through something like Law Clerk. There's a lot of options out there in today's world, in our gig economy, that full-time employment in your office is not necessarily the only option that you have. So what that does is, is it opens up a whole array of possibilities that you may not have had before. You may not have had these possibilities 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. And that creates more um, variables to your decision, which makes your decision more difficult. And I am not here behind the microphone to make your job more difficult. But I do want to make sure that you know what your options are and you're not making a decision because you don't know that you have another option. If you don't know about these other options and you bring on somebody into your firm full time and you're taking their salary and trying to add it into your ongoing operating expenses and you cannot afford it and you're doing this based on what I shared on the last episode in episode 239 and I failed to share with you these other options and those are really good options for you then essentially I have created your failure if it doesn't work so I don't want to be holding that bag and that's why I want to make sure that you know what those options are in front of you. Now, the other thing to look at is where do I need help and what should I be investing money on? Now, generally, generally, my guideline, my guidance is higher from the bottom up. In other words, get a file clerk before you get an attorney. Now, 
I say generally because there's definitely cases where you would go straight to hiring an attorney. For example, you're a billable hour law firm and you're billing yourself at 40 hours a week. Now, I don't know who's doing all the other work, but if you're billing yourself a full work week and you're a billable hour firm, you need another biller. You need somebody else who can generate billable hours for your firm. So hiring somebody at the bottom, hiring a receptionist, hiring a paralegal, hiring a, um, a file clerk, paralegal is a poor example because you could probably build a paralegal, but hiring anybody else, um, although it would make sense under normal circumstances to bring them on to create room or capacity for you to bill more hours, when you're at your maximum billable capacity, then you probably want to bring another biller on. This is very business model specific. In other words, it's only for hourly billing. If you were, for example, a contingency-based firm, then I don't care how many hours, billable hours you're putting in, you have to be able to do all the legal work on the case. So if you're doing any work that's not legal, that's not specifically needing an attorney, I shouldn't say it's not legal, it's not specifically needing an attorney, then you shouldn't be doing it. Somebody else should be doing it. Uh, if you're a flat fee firm and you're doing any work that is not specifically the work that an attorney needs to do, you shouldn't be doing it. You should be handing that off because the work that an attorney needs to do is the most expensive work in the firm. Behind that, the work a paralegal needs to do is the most expensive work in the firm after the attorney. So no, you shouldn't be doing your own bookkeeping. No, you shouldn't be doing your own filing. You shouldn't be doing your own um, answering of the phones. So we need to identify what are all the tasks that you are doing? What is keeping your day busy? What is, um, and it might not, it might not just be you, right? If you're, if this is not your first hire, if you have a team and you're thinking about bringing on another person, you need to do this exercise across the board. Um, and once you have, and once you go past your first hire, you definitely need an org chart. You want to, um, and I have, I actually have an episode we did on that org chart. I don't recall what the episode number was. So maybe uh, we'll grab it for you to put it in the show notes, but definitely in the archives of this podcast, we have an episode specifically talking about the org chart. It really, really important um, to have and read the book Traction if you want to understand how it all fits in. But basically, um, that is going to highlight where your gaps are in um, expertise and capability uh, of your team. But uh, let's start with the simple example of you're doing everything, and then we can extrapolate from that that you're just going to go through the same exercise with your team members. So essentially, what you want to do is you want to take a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, or a Google Sheets. Uh, you could do this on a piece of paper. I like a spreadsheet better because then we can use numerics to figure this all out. But basically what we want to do is we want to make a list of all the activities that you're doing. We then want to rate these activities based on two criteria. And we're going to add a third column as well. But the two criteria we want to rate, and I like to use a number system because numbers can be calculated and tabulated, and that allows us to really organize this list in a meaningful way. 
So I like a one to five scale, but you can choose any scale you want. As long as it makes sense to you, it doesn't really matter. What we're gonna do is we're gonna list every single task in column A. In column B, we're gonna rate the task based on your ability to complete that task. One being, I don't know how to do it. Five being, I'm an expert. And then there's the gray in between. So we basically wanna know your, um, um, your what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, I love when I do this behind the microphone and I can't remember the word I wanna use. Um, give me a second. Be right back. It came back to me. What is your proficiency in this particular thing, right? So, for example, if the item on there, and I like using bookkeeping because 95% of business owners are not proficient as, in book, as, as bookkeepers. So, your proficiency level in bookkeeping might be a one, a two, maybe it's a three, right? For some of you, it's going to be a five or a four. But most of you, it's going to be a one or a two, right? However, your proficiency in drafting documents might be a five or should be, hopefully, is a five if you drafting is part of what you do. Um, so you're going to list all the tasks. Then you're going to rate them on your proficiency level. The next column is your desirability. You're now going to rate the tasks on your desirability. So desirability is basically... Do I love it or do I hate it? In other words, what is my level of desire to do this work? I've met a lot of lawyers, law firm owners, who love messing around with technology. So their desire to manage their systems and get them to interconnected and talking to each other and all of that, their desire is high, but their proficiency is low. Whereas by bookkeeping, the desire is probably low and the proficiency is probably low. Whereas the legal work, the desire is probably high and the proficiency is probably high. So you can see how by rating these two things, we are creating this system where we can now identify what are the things that, we're, that we suck at and we hate. What are the things that we're really good at but we hate? What are the things that we suck at but we love? And what are the things that we love and we're good at? And by identifying those four combinations, we, have, we basically now have created this ability for us to rate them and figure out, um, to rate them and figure out what is the order of priority of getting things off my plate. The, third, the fourth column that I want you to put on this sheet is... What is the amount of time that I am dedicating to this task on a weekly or a monthly basis? The reason the fourth column is important is because if something is, I hate it, I'm not good at it, I know I need to get this off my plate, and it's therefore at the top of the list, and we're going to get it off, but we only spend 20 minutes a month on it, I'm not going to hire somebody to do a 20 minute a month task, a full-time person, right? But, and let's say bookkeeping is the task, right? Let's say my bookkeeping is 20 minutes a month, or even, even let's, let's just say it's two hours a month or three hours a month. I'm not gonna hire a 10 hour a week person to do a three hour a month task, right? 
So that will help me determine whether I want to combine that task with other tasks. And now this person is going to not only be doing my, my answering on my phones and maybe um, sending out some emails, but they're also going to be in they're also going to be in uh, doing my books, my bookkeeping, right? Or I might say, I only need somebody for three hours a month for this. I'm going to go and I'm going to find myself a bookkeeping service or a bookkeeper, a freelance bookkeeper that is that is willing to do three hours of work or is willing to take on my account and I'm going to pay them to do just my bookkeeping. So it's clear where you need to get it off my plate, but there's different options of how I get it off my plate. That's why it's important to have the identification of how much time is invested in this or, or what is the level of activity needed because we need to figure out whether we can lump some of these together and bring somebody on who's going to be able to do multiples or whether we're going to bring on freelancers or outsourced agencies or companies or service providers to do the other pieces. The last thing is once we have all this list, list identified and we have the desirability and the proficiency ratings, we're then going to tabulate those ratings. So maybe that goes in column number four and we move the time to column five or maybe the tabulation goes to column five. However you want to set it up, doesn't matter. But we want to add the proficiency and the desirability score together. And the reason is because then we can sort the data easily, right? So what we do is we rate it at one to five on each of them, and now we're going to sort the data by the lowest score to the highest score. And automatically what's gonna happen is, is that we have now created a list of the tasks that are the first tasks are the stinky ones. They're the ones that we, we probably procrastinate to, to the end of the world to not do, and they're the things that still have to get done, but we don't like doing them and we're not good at them, so we push them off. And then slowly it's going to increase to the things that we like to do, the things that we want to do, the things that we're good at, and ultimately at the bottom of the list are the things that we love, we're good at it, we're, we're gonna hold on to those as long as possible as we grow out our team. The last piece of the puzzle that's not really listed is there's an assumption in this exercise that the thing you get paid for is the thing you love to do, right? So I'm assuming that the billable client work, the attorney work that you're billing out, that that is something you want to do and you love to do. The reality is, is that if it's on this list and it, it isn't at the bottom and it's somewhere in the middle, then you're probably going to delegate that out sooner rather than later, which means that might dictate that you need to bring on an attorney to do that if it's the legal work or a paralegal, if it's, you know, if it's some of the legal work. Like, let's say you hate drafting, but you love being in a court or you love mediation. So... If ten percent, if twenty five percent of your time is spent drafting and seventy five percent of your time is spent on mediation, then maybe you need to find somebody to take that twenty five percent off of your plate, so you're not doing the drafting. Or maybe you need to find a software solution to automate that and have a piece of software do it for you. Be that as it may, what you end up with is a list of the tasks that need to be delegated 
from the most important to delegate um, or, or the highest priority to get off your plate to the least higher, higher priority. Why is it such a high priority to get these small numbers off your plate? The answer is because they are a boat anchor around your productivity. The more things on your plate that you don't know how to do and you have to struggle with and spend more time than necessary on, and the more things on your plate that you don't like to do and you therefore are fulfilling your time with things that you hate or dislike or aren't in love with, the less efficient you're going to be, the less desire you're going to have to do your job. That's why we want to get these off your plate because they will not only get these things done, but will and not only buy you back the, the direct time you're spending on it, but it will also boost your productivity in the other areas. In other words, it will make you a leaner and better machine because you no longer have the emotional attachment of these negative items that you had before. So now that we have this list of things that we need to delegate and get off our plate, now we need to start working through them and identifying, can I combine these to a position that one person can fill, can fulfill? Whether they come experienced or whether I could train them into that position, they don't have to be able to do all these things overnight, right? It's it's a it's a um, it's something that can happen over time. In other words, I can have twenty tasks I want the person to do, but if a single person should have the capacity to do all of them, and all of them are trainable items, then I can just hire one person in house or virtually and start to delegate those one at a time to them until they learn all twenty items. So we're looking at this from, you know, can one person do it? Can they be trained into it? Is this like, for example, bookkeeping, right? It might not make sense to train somebody on becoming a good bookkeeper just to handle your books when your books only take three hours a month. It might make a lot more sense to go and hire a bookkeeping service to do that for you and then take the, the person you're hiring and, and assign them other tasks that anybody can do. So you have to do this, you have to kind of analyze this on, this on a case-by-case basis, but we're not analyzing, am I keeping this on my plate or not? We're analyzing, who am I delegating this to? And th- those are two very different things, and I want to be really clear that this is all an exercise of who am I delegating this to, not am I keeping this on my plate? That decision was already made when you sorted the spreadsheet by the numbers lowest to highest, Right? the top 20 items on that list should be delegated out. I mean, that's a start. Ultimately, the entire list should be delegated out, right? Ultimately, as a business owner, you want to grow to the point where you're not doing any of them or you're choosing to do the ones that are most desirable for you. So after that, the rest is easy. I mean, it's not easy. And we can talk about hiring and how to find people and writing a job post, things like that. The rest is easy in that regard, in the regard of I now know what, what I need to delegate and I now know how to package it into something. So either I need some freelancers, I need some specific people to do specific tasks, like for example, bookkeeper, accountant, um, I don't know, I don't know what else, uh, an, an answering service to answer my phones, things like that. Or 
I have also now identified a list of things that somebody in-house or virtually can be delegated to. And now I need to determine, am I going full-time? Am I going part-time? Am I going in-house? Am I going out of house? Am I looking for somebody with specific experience or am I looking for somebody who just has a good work ethic and I like and, you know, meshes with us and then we can teach them the rest. And those are all questions that you kind of have to work through, right? You got to figure that out. You know, have I created systems around everything? Do I already have all these instructions clearly written so I could just bring somebody on? Is it important for me to have somebody in the office for various reasons, right? Some people want to have somebody in the office because they also need somebody to prepare stuff to mail out and to open the mail that's coming in and to greet people when they come for a consult. So if that's the case, if that's your the office that you have, then the answer is already made for you. You need somebody in person. If you're running your practice virtually anyway, there's no real reason that you need to have an in-person uh, employee, then hire somebody virtually. You have a lot of options when it comes to who you hire. Now, the, the lower you go on the list of, of items, the more likely that there are things that can just be taught to anybody as long as there's a system for them to follow with clear instructions. So when that's the case, then our partner gets staffed up makes a lot of sense. Um, literally for $1,850 a month, you can have a 40 hour a week virtual assistant. They're offshore. They're not in the United States, but they are in your time zone. And um, although English is usually a second language, their English is very proficient. Um, they're usually highly educated uh, with a bachelor's or a master's degree. Um, you know, these are these are people who just happen to live in a country where maybe it's less expensive or they have tough, a tough time finding employment and um, Get Staffed Up does a great job of finding them, helping you vet them, helping you choose somebody and managing that employee over time. Um, and you can get started with Get Staffed Up for a $500 discount. All you got to do is go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash get staffed up. This is not an entire episode to promote Get Staffed Up. It just happens to be I have two employees from them and it happens to be a wonderful solution because it cuts out a ton of expense from that first full-time hire. So if full-time is where you're going, um, it is an absolutely incredible option for you. Um, you don't have any of the, the taxes that you have in the U.S. when you hire somebody who's within the United States. Um, there's, no, there's no employee taxes. There's no uh, so, you know, FICA taxes and, and uh, um, you know, the unemployment taxes and all that stuff. Uh, so you kind of cut all of that out. Um, basically, Get Staffed Up charges one month to find the person. So it's $18.50 initially and then $18.50 a month once they do. Um, and if you go to ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash Get Staffed Up, let them know you heard about, about it here on the podcast, uh, you get $500 off the initial, um, the initial fee, the initial um, sign-up fee. Uh, anyway, so... Virtual virtual assistants and uh, and or in-house assistants are where I would generally start um, unless a freelancer, a specific expert in that specific thing is all you need, then definitely, you know, go there. The next place that you can go from from a virtual assistant or an in-person assistant is to then 
look at somebody who is more experienced. And there, you know, now you're looking at a paralegal um, or you're looking at an attorney um, or something of the sort. So when you start looking there, again, you have options, right? We, we had um, uh, uh, Jacqueline Foster here on the podcast, um, and she, you know, she runs a virtual paralegal service where you can get a fractional paralegal. You don't have to hire somebody full time. Uh, I'm going to go real quick and just do a quick search on what the episode number is with Jacqueline Foster. Virtual Paralegal Services with Jacqueline Foster, episode 122, profitwithlaw.com forward slash 122 is where you can listen to that. Um, a great interview we had with her and um, a great solution to bringing on a paralegal, somebody who's more trained, but you're going to pay for what you're getting. So it's going to be more expensive than hiring somebody, for example, through Get Staffed Up, but you don't have to bring them on for 40 hours. You could bring them on for 10 hours a week to start. And then when their plate is full and their capacity is full and you know, you're getting all your use out of those 10 hours, you can increase it. Um, so that's a great solution. The other thing that you can do is you can go to law clerk. So if you're looking for an attorney, then law clerk is a great, uh, resource for you to get, um, a contract attorney. So we did an episode with Kristen Tyler, one of the founders of Law Clerk, Delegating to Freelance Lawyers with Kristen Tyler, episode 114. And you can find that at ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash 114. So Kristen um, Tyler and her company, Law Clerk, they initially had like this, this um, ability for you. That it's basically a marketplace for you to find an attorney uh, that you can bring on as of counsel or um, hire uh, as a contractor to specifically help you with something that you didn't have the expertise in. Um, and but now they even have a service where you can get like a you can um, have an attorney and and then get a block of time for just general work and just have just hand them the overflow or the things that you don't want to do and have them do that. So um, that's another great resource for you to have when you're looking at who am I hiring. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, once you once you've you, you're using somebody, you know, half time, more than half time, you're, you're probably going to be bringing on a full time employee. You're probably going to be bringing on a full time staff member. So these are great services when you don't need um, you don't need somebody specifically full time or you need people with different talents. Right. So if you need attorneys, you need you, you could really could use a full time attorney. The problem is, is that you need like four different um, areas of expertise and you don't expect one person to be an expert in those four areas, then it might make sense for you to find four separate attorneys to each contract to for each of those things. So um, again, there's no there's no black and white right or wrong answer on how to do this. But the concept is, is that we want to hire the least expensive option to get the desired result. And then we move from there. So we're not looking to take on a massive expense from day one. When you're making that next hire, you don't want to commit to $150,000 a year expense when you could potentially bring on a uh, $15,000 a year expense and get 
a whole bunch of small stuff off your plate so that you could do whatever you were going to delegate to the $150,000 employee, right? So if you can hold on to the legal work and hand off the um, all of that lower end work to free up your time to just do the legal work, then you don't have to outsource the legal work. So a lot of law firm owners make a mistake here. A lot of them go and just go straight to, oh, I need another associate. I need to bring on another attorney. And they fail to recognize that they're only doing 10, 15 hours a week of productive legal work. Bringing on another attorney means they can hand off those 10 or 15 hours to somebody else. But now they're going to be paying a full-time attorney who's bored for, th for more than half the week. And they're going to be left holding the bag on all the lower uh, cost items, the items that really don't require an attorney. And it's a real waste of resources and very inefficient and likely is going to cost them their ability to be able to pay themselves. So you're listening here on this podcast. You're hearing it here. Don't make that mistake. Very rarely does it make sense for you to go straight to hiring another attorney. Almost always, you're spending time doing things that you can hand off first for a lot less cost than it costs to hand off the legal work to another attorney. All right, hope that makes hope this all makes sense, and um, that's going to be all for this episode. Looking forward to an amazing guest interview coming up this Thursday. This Thursday, and uh, if you enjoyed this show. You know, the, you know the drill. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure that you get notified the next time we release a new episode. Share it with somebody you love who can benefit from it. And last but not least, if you're really enjoying the show, leave us a rating, rating and review in the uh, Apple podcast library. We'd love to come up in people's search ratings and ha have them see some great feedback from our listeners. And um, I really appreciate you. Appreciate the fact that you tuned in. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.